On Thursday, Mark Zuckerberg, the CEO, chairman, and controlling shareholder of Meta, the company formerly known as Facebook, went down to Austin, Texas to sit down with the patron saint of podcasting, Joe Rogan. Have you ever done DMT? I'm a busy guy. I'm sure you're busy too. But Mark Zuckerberg is an immensely powerful person. So I felt obligated to watch the podcast. Now, I'm sure you have the clip shared out by Minds initially concerning the FBI contacting Facebook. But I felt in my gut that there was a buried lead to be found. The first hour of the podcast almost exclusively focused on virtual reality projects at Facebook. Zuckerberg explains the differences between VR and AR. These AR glasses, uh, are they in production now? Are they in development now? Like when you when yeah. you talk about this kind of technology where you can see things that aren't there and yeah. look at maps and watch videos and have it all on a small computer that's in a, the frame of a glasses. Yeah. Do they exist already? No. I, I think the we'll start to get stuff that, that kind of looks like the full version of this over the next, I, I'd say, three to five years. Um, but I think it'll also start off pretty expensive um, once once it's available. And then it'll take a while to work down to something that's like hundreds of dollars. Um, but there are versions of this that you can start to see um, if you relax some of the constraints, right? So the, the kind of ultimate AR experience is that like okay? You just have normal-looking glasses that can that can kind of have all of these um, have holograms, make it so you can interact with people wherever wherever you want. But um, if you relax the form factor constraint, right? So you have a headset instead of um, instead of normal-looking glasses. That's the other thing that's coming in the new device that we're shipping in October is mixed reality and VR, right? So we, we got to play around with this a little bit in the um, in the sword fighting um, I- experience that we did. But it's you know basically. The, the thing about mixed reality is, is you, you see the physical world around you. Um, in, in the context of VR, it's not happening through a waveguide. It's basically happening through you have cameras on the device that capture the world and then translate that in real time into stereo images, so different images in both eyes, so that way you can, because um, you know, otherwise it's, it's weird. I and mean, we, we kind of see stuff in, in, in you know, 3D because we have two, we, our two eyes see slightly different things. So you're kind of... The, the computers are putting that together on the fly. And um, and then you can overlay digital objects on top of that. So when we were you know sword fighting, it's like the version of me and my sword. It's like that was a digital thing, but otherwise it was in your lobby, right? And you could see your lobby. Yeah. So, so you could start to see those kind of AR experiences starting to get built, but in a um, form factor around mixed reality VR first. So that's one one direction that I think that that the that the industry is exploring. The other is basically looking at okay, so we got to constrain this form factor because we want to have something that looks like normal glasses. What's the most technology that we can fit into a pair of normal looking glasses today? Right. So you kind of go from both sides, right? It's like what's the experience that we want to have, even if we can't get the form factor right, and what's the best we can do with the form factor, and then each year those two basically converge. Joe does press him a few times about what is the end goal of this. Will it ever look like the Matrix? Do you envision a world where one day the physical experience of the game 
is going to be inconsequential because everything's going to be taking place in your mind. Like it'll be so good, whether it's with haptic feedback or some other kind of input where you'll be able to actually experience very matrix-like something that's not there. I mean, is that ultimately where all this is going? I don't know. I mean, I, I just think that so much of our experience is our body and not just our mind. I mean, there's right. this strain of of kind of philosophical thought that's like, okay, what is a human? It's like, you're, it's really just your brain, right? It's And I don't subscribe to that at all because, I mean, I don't know what you're, how, how you feel about stuff, but like, I, I just feel like my whole energy level and mood and kind of how I kind of interact with the world is all just based on, it's like, it, it's it's so physical, right? It's not just, yeah. you know, so I don't, I don't, I mean, I guess maybe over time it would be possible to just simulate that through your brain, but I don't believe that we're just brains and tanks um, or just brains in a body. Um, I, I kind of think our our kind of physical being and the actions that we take there are as much or, I don't know, that that's like just as much of kind of the experience of being human. I would agree with that, but I would also say that a lot of people just like to sit down and watch movies, and that's a very yeah. alien experience to the human body, and it's something yeah. we become very accustomed to. So what I'm thinking is if technology advances and it keeps going further in the direction that it's headed now, more immersive, more convincing, you know, that uncanny valley gets bridged and all of a sudden you have a, a real life experience. It's not a perfect answer back. And he does evade a bit. But Zuckerberg does admit about the importance of physicality in using our bodies. He even touches back on it later when discussing doing martial arts and wakeboarding. It's like, all right, am I going to be able to, like, go um, turn that direction on that wave, or am I just going to get swallowed, right? So it's, um, I don't know, it's, I think that having that mix in your life is, uh, it, it feels really important and healthy to me, and I mean, I try to get my my friends into it. I, I mean, my kids do do jujitsu too. I just think it's like really important that they kind of develop all these all these skills and appreciation for doing physical things, just like my parents taught me. But I don't know. It's I, I guess overall, it's like a big part of I don't know. It's a big part of what I of who I am. I think. I mean, going back to the other conversation about like, are we just brains and tanks? It's like no, because this is like the part of you know my life that I think is. It's like, like this is super fun. Like the, yeah. the, the like the the building things. It's like that's super engaging too. It's just it's like a very different type of of intellectual exercise. However, he does admit he is a bit of the minority who feel this way in this tech space. But the physical world, I'm I'm probably more kind of optimistic or believe that the physical world is probably more important to our being and essence and soul than than a, probably a lot of other people in the industry. So, I mean, I, I really care about about getting that that balance right. And he does feel the true real world is becoming the fusion of digital and physical. I, I actually think when, when you say the real world, uh, I, I call that the physical world. And I, I think there's the physical world and the digital world. And I think the combination of those increasingly is the real world, right? It's you know, it's uh, like there's all this additional information that we bring to the physical experiences that we have. That um, whether it's whether it's digital or or just from our own experience or studying that we've done, that's more than just kind of the physical kind of sensation that we get. Yeah. Um, but the ratio of that may be shifting over time, right? So in a world in the future where 
you know, a lot of the things that might be physical today, I mean, maybe these, the, this kind of art and sculptures and stuff that you have here, maybe in the future they're not physical, maybe they're just holograms because, you know, you can change them really easily. Um, maybe over time the sort of ratio of the amount of physical stuff that we interact with to digital stuff shifts and becomes more balanced or something like that. Whereas, you know, historically it was all physical and there was very little kind of information or, or, or digital overlay on top of it. And now I think it's just steadily been increasing. But I mean, it's, I think it's probably gonna be a lot healthier for us rather than consuming kind of all this additional context through this tiny little portal that we carry around on a phone and you're just kind of like looking at this and you're missing the whole context. I think to have it be able to be overlaid and, you know, have, have kind of people be able to, you know, pop in and interact with them through it. Um, I don't know, I think that's gonna be powerful. We'll obviously need to get the balance on this right, but it's, um, but I know that's sort of how I think about it. I, I, I think like probably the right way to think about the real world is at this point is not actually just the physical world. For me, I don't like language like this. I abhor VR technology and the idea of even augmenting reality to make it more preferable or to gamify it feels like a slippery slope. We already know how negatively tech and social media is impacting younger people who in many ways aren't mature enough to use it. Hell, look at the average adult on their phone as their child tries to get their attention. Is more immersion really the answer? Zuckerberg even hints at neural interfaces. It's not like $10 billion is going towards any one specific thing. It's like there's all the avatar work and all of how you express yourself and how you build the worlds. And then there's all the VR stuff. And within VR, we're working on this year's device and next year's device and the and the one after that. And then in AR, we talked about, it's like we had the Ray-Ban glasses and we have sort of the next version of that. But then we also have kind of the, the research going towards the full AR. Um, and we haven't even gotten to neural interfaces yet, but we should definitely spend some time on that. But it's like you kind of go across all these different things and it's just this incredibly wide amount of technology that, that needs to get built in order to basically build and deliver a realistic sense of presence like you're physically there with another person, which I just think is the most magical thing in the world. Sorry to break it to you, Mark, but I don't need a chip in my head so I can text a little bit faster with my thoughts. So the question is, how do you make it so that you can basically go and have your mind give commands to the the computer, in this case, the glasses, um, without having to speak out loud, without having to wave your hands around, um, even though those things will be great for some use cases, you're not going to want them all the time. So, the the research that we're doing, it's based on the, it's 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 basically it's input only, and it's focused on. So it's not it's not trying to send signals to your brain. It's trying to make it so that your brain can communicate with the computer. And the the path that we have is it's based on the fact that we have all these extra motor neurons in our body, right? And and part of the reason for that is like, in case you get hurt, you have neuroplasticity, you can rewire, do stuff, like find a different pathway to, to kind of send a signal to move your finger or something. There's all these different ways that it turns out our brain could tell this finger to move, but we've sort of optimized um, individually, kind of we, we kind of reinforce certain pathways and end up using one, one kind of motor neuron pathway to, to do a specific thing. And you have all these others that are not that used. So it turns out you can have a device on your wrist that basically your brain can communicate with your hand, um, tell your hand to move in like a pattern that it isn't, isn't used to, 
and then the the wristband can sort of pick up those signals and translate them into completely different things like having a virtual hand move in front of you while your physical hand is just kind of sitting there at your side Whoa. so you'll be able to have this experience in the future where like you're sitting in a meeting um and you know your wife texts you and it pops up in the corner of your glasses and you want to respond but you don't want to like pull out your phone because that's kind of rude right um so you just kind of like i don't know twitch your wrist a little bit maybe like this like some super discreet motion um that no one even knows you're doing it and you just like send a message and that seems like a massive distraction I mean, people are already distracted by their phones. Like when people well, get a text message and they're like, hang on a second, I just can't answer this real quick. And you're like, okay. And you're sitting there having lunch with someone and they're not talking to you anymore because they're looking at their phone. But now they're going to be looking at these AR glasses and just thinking out text messages. And you won't, you won't even know that they're distracted. They're just going to be not connecting with you. Hey, Alexa, text Mark Zuckerberg and tell him to cut it out with the brain chips or else I'm going to give him a swirly. Thankfully, Joe does talk about how he parents and tries to balance his children's perspective on technology. And Mark shares a bit, too, about his parenting techniques. Uh, I do not keep my children from social media because I feel like the world that they live in has social media in it, and I don't want them to be just completely disconnected from that. I limit the amount of time they use their phones, and I try to talk to them about the importance of not being like completely uh, absorbed in social media and these kind of things that these kids do. But I, I think it's a part of life. And I, I think it's uh, it's it's new and it's weird and it's confusing and it can be very addictive. But I also think it's a part of life. But going out to dinner with them is so hard. <laughs> they just want to check their like uh, like hey, put your phone down. Stop snapping with your friends. They're always Snapchatting. I'm like stop. But and, and my my kids, I, I haven't had to think about it quite as much yet because they're pretty young, um, six and five. Right? Um, yeah. Augie just turned five um, this weekend. But it's um. So, I mean, they use, I actually, I want them to use technology for, for different things. I mean, I, I teach them how to code. I, I think it's like an outlet for, for creativity. Um, I mean, Augie especially, I mean, she, Max likes building things. Augie thinks about it as art. So when I, whenever, like every, you know, every night I, I try to do bedtime with them religiously. So I try to like end my, my, my meetings in order to be able to put them down and, and, um, I ask them like what what activity they want to do. Do you want to read or do you want to wrestle or whatever the then um, or and and August just like oh I want to do code art. It's like oh it's like that's such an interesting way to think about it. I always think about coding as like you're building something, and she just thinks about it as making the computer make art. And the two do go back and forth about how phones are already such a distraction. Ah!